I don't know what you are feeling like this hour. But I expect that there should be an excitement in our hearts that death could not hold him captive. That we will join the saints with him to reign. And that when he went that way of the cross, he thought of us. Can you appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus this morning? Can you appreciate the extent he went for us? Can you appreciate the plan and the package of God for you? As much as it is for humanity, but first for you. Indeed, he arose. He arose. He arose that you may arise. He arose that we may triumph. He arose for us to have victory. Can you appreciate this victory Christ has won for us? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Worship this victorious King of ours, the Prince of Peace. Worship Him this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you because indeed you are a miracle worker. Indeed, you keep your word. You watch over your word to bring it to pass. You are a father so loving. Thank you, Father, for this assurance you have given us this morning. Again, as you speak to our hearts, Lord, we receive your word by faith. We trust that your word, your work will work in our lives. We believe you that you will open this word to us and that our lives will be blessed. And your name alone will be glorified. Blessed be your name forever, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to bless the name of the Lord for this resurrection morning as we remember the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And we trust the Lord to meditate on our texts and as we do so, believe that he will bring words that will form Christ in us, that will stir us to lay hold on that for which Christ has laid hold on our lives. We want to appreciate our fathers in the Lord for this opportunity. We trust the Lord that he will help that the most of this opportunity will be made use of heaven to bless our lives altogether in Jesus' name. This morning we are looking at a topic that says Resurrection, the heart of the Christian message Resurrection, the heart of the Christian message Permit me to pick a bearing from our theme for this year And for me, as I look at the theme There's something that has been ringing in my heart and I feel it will be a proper way of setting our hearts for what we'll be considering this morning. For me, it's not even the words. It's the spirit behind the world that is a need for us to have our hearts set. I've always believed, and I've said it here a number of times, that God will not just give us a thing. God is set at something in giving us a thing. 
And so for me, the first issue is, if God began with us with the issue of the kingdom lifestyle last year and dealt so much with us on that, and this year is saying this, pressing towards the mark. You know, the thing I observe that I want us to take note of to get our heart or to guard our heart as we meditate this morning is the fact that, you know, last year God began with a word that he was teaching his disciples. But this year God is pointing us to what somebody who he had apprehended made up his mind to do. You know, it's easy for you to quickly quote Paul. It is easy that we quote it and make it a theme. But for me, the first issue I'm seeing is, can we be resolved to make this what we are pursuing? You know, Paul was not quoting, you know there are scriptures in New Testament you will hear quotation of the Old. Paul here was not quoting the Old Testament. I noticed that Paul here made this a pursuit of his life. And so the issue God has called us to consider this year is an issue that requires you as an individual to make up your mind about. It's not just a general summon. It is a particular thing, an individualistic issue God is raising for us. You know, we are paraphrasing it. If you quote it from that Philippians 3, he said, I, 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 this morning, the issue we want to consider is about you. It's about I. And press. This is what I have resolved to do. Can you resolve this morning? As the Lord will bring his word to us. By implication, what God may be bringing to you may be different from what he will be raising with your neighbor, but... Can you set your heart on God for yourself? That He will help us. This morning, our text is taken from 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 to 20. We have read it earlier on. We will be dwelling on that text as we trust the Lord to bring understanding to our hearts in the issue of the reason for this, or for this season, the resurrection. But for me, I had a prompting in my heart as I was meditating on this topic to give a background to our topic, resurrection, the heart of the Christian message. And for me, I began to say to myself, what are the major issues for us in this topic? What is it that God wants to do to us? What is it that, what is God up to in bringing this topic to us this morning? And I felt it was necessary for us to look at two key things in our topic. And first we will look at the Christian message that we will dwell on resurrection. Now it looks like we are, I'm rearranging it, but that was how it came to my heart. And as I thought over it, something, I began to see why God did that. The reason is because, you know, I began to think first maybe because of what I do so much. I do a lot of research. And you know, in research, there are so many assumptions. 
you 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 assume a lot of things and when you see a title the concept has diverse meaning to different people in this also i assume very quickly that the christian message has been abused there are too many definitions to what we mean today when we say christian message somebody comes and shout and people carry it and throw it up throw it down and at the end it is assumed what a christian message has been delivered so i sense god is saying to us look at this issue and understand let us conceptualize the issue of christian message what do we mean when we say christian message let us not assume it to chance that we already know it and so i still found in this chapter we are looking at a place we can build a concept a premise of understanding what god is saying to us when we say the christian message so we'll take even though we'll be dwelling on verses 12 to 20 but permit me to ask that we start from verse 1 we'll take the first four verses of that chapter as we trust the lord to bring understanding to our hearts so that you will ask yourself some personal questions now if you are there in first corinthians 15 what was to read the first four verses as we begin to consider and to meditate on these verses yes anybody there help us to read hallelujah now brothers he wants to remind us of the gospel he preached the christian message he, he preached to us yes which you have received and on which you have taken a stand by this gospel you are saved if it is by this message you got salvation yes if you hold family to the word that, that is if you hold family to the word otherwise you have believed in them okay let's read for what i received i passed to you as the first importance that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures hmm. thank you yes that is it that was for thank you Now one of the first thing I want us to begin to ponder on this morning as we meditate on the scriptures is the definition I I saw from verses 1 and 2 of our text this morning. Paul there was saying that and I want you to begin to ask yourself some questions. He said that he wants to remind us of this gospel. This Christian message. Now the first thing I noted about the christian message is a message that gives you a stand did you see that in the bible when you pour say there the one he put to you which gave you a stand you know our problem today is we have heard so much of the christian message in quote but we don't have a stand why do not and you know the english people say if you stand for nothing you will fall for anything anything that comes goes the christian message is one that gives us a stand as christians the christian gospel the gospel is what gives us a way of life what we stand for 
For many people, we assume we have received this Christian message. But we really are not standing for anything. So what we are considering this morning is that the resurrection is the heart of it. What we give a man a stand actually withdraw it from the resurrection. That for me was the first thing to note about the Christian message. I know, I think we should begin to ask ourselves this question now. What am I standing for? And if you are standing for something, what gave you that stand? Now, but in addition to that, Paul says something about it. Verse 2. It is by this same message you got salvation. Now, so I began to ask myself that. Let us not assume that anything a supposed Christian is saying is a Christian message. So I began to see for myself that the Christian message is one that gives men salvation. Did you remember Paul saying that? I am not ashamed of the gospel. For what? It is God's instrument for changing lives. It is what God uses to save people. The Christian message is one that gives us salvation. So, as you are here and you assume you have heard it before, the question is, do you understand? Have you been saved? As we look at resurrection, we will see it so that we can now appropriate properly the message. We can appreciate it as we see it. Maybe, you know, the church might be losing the essence of resurrection because we have wrongly defined the Christian message. But maybe when we properly understand what the Christian message is, we will now see resurrection. So this morning, I sense God is asking you. You know, I asked, I wrote down some three questions. And the first one is, what have you received? Because Paul says, what we have received. What have you received? What do you believe in? And what is the stand which you have? It is as we consider this that we will begin to quickly agree and settle for that the reason for this season, why we are celebrating resurrection, is because what gave us a stand and salvation is centrally about resurrection. So I felt that it was good we built that very quickly. Otherwise, see how verse 2 ended. Look at how verse 2 ended. Otherwise, what you assumed you have believed would have been what? Otherwise, in vain. You know, what we are going to be considering this morning to quickly give us a background to it is that there were beliefs and notions that, you see, when we die, that's the end. There are lies, there were lies among the Corinthian church or in Corinth. That there is no resurrection. But then let it be that we assume because you come to church, possibly be the first to be in attendance, you have believed. Let this belief is in vain. Let's check it again. 
That for me was the first way to define this message. If the message you receive did not deliver to you a span, did not give unto you a redemption, a salvation, and you are not holding on to this world, I hope you are not yet believing in vain. But let's push a little further. I noticed that verses 3 and 4 give us the content of this gospel. What did Paul say the gospel was? What I received, I passed to you. You see that? Oh, I, I, I just noted there that the messengers of this Christian message have received it first. So that we don't quickly run and start preaching it. I noticed there that it's something you receive. You know in, in, in 1st John, he said that which we heard, we ourselves are faithful witnesses of it. Have you received it to run with it? Paul said, that which I have received, I pass on to you. So the preachers of the Christian message are people who have first received it. The preachers have their own stand. The preachers have been saved. That Christ died. You see the content. Can you begin to see the content? He began to give us the scope, the context, the syllabus, the curriculum of this message. He said that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. Another content. Did you see that again? That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day. You see another content. He was raised on the third day. According to the scriptures. Quickly let me say that. I noticed there that. Paul gave us a quick definition of resurrection. And I wrote down the meaning of resurrection to me. For one to pass from life to death. Through death you are raised back to life. But I noticed something here. Quickly, I got a quick check there. That somebody died and came back to life in this context is resurrection. But you see, I began to ask myself if Paul defined the content of his message, which we are seen as a Christian message. As to me, the what? First was what? The, that, what was the first message? That Christ died. Not just that he died. He died for our sins. And that he was buried. And that he rose again. You know, I was beginning to ask myself, so why is resurrection? Why is it that resurrection is the heart of it? Why is resurrection the heart? Romans 1 verse 4. You know, this morning I read it and it excited my heart that God was still pointing out there. It was in resurrection. It was in resurrection that Jesus. You, can we find it very quickly? Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says what? Romans 1 verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. By the resurrection from the dead. 
You see, it was not just in dying or in burial. It was in resurrection that he was declared to be what? He was declared to be what? The Son of God. Now what do I see there? That I saw that it was important to add to our definition of resurrection. I noticed there that resurrection was not just about giving victory over death and come alive. But by the fact that there is a nature on his inside which is eternal and by being eternal death cannot terminate it. And that is why that nature makes him the son of God. There was something on his inside which death cannot hold back. And so if we talk about resurrection, it was just beyond the fact that Jesus came to life. He came to life because there was a life in him that death could not hold. And so in that understanding, I realized that the issue in contest in the Corinthian church was something that needed God to open their eyes to have seen. Little wonder you will begin to wonder, I think you begin to appreciate why they were beginning to say, How can this resurrection be? Who has power over death? So this morning we will look and concentrate on resurrection. Now the thing I noted in those two verses about resurrection, which is one of the reasons why I asked that we sing the song we began with the promise keeper, is if you notice the reading of the gospel this morning. And verses 3 and 4, there was something that was reoccurring. Did you notice that? Which is according to scripture. He died according to scripture. When we read in John this morning, can we quickly look at that again? Can we quickly run to John 20 verse 9 and see what the Bible says there? You will see what was the worry of the mind of God? Verse 9. Who is there in verse 9? What did the Bible say in verse 9? For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Now did you see that? The issue of the resurrection was something that scripture must be fulfilled. And I noticed something about the death of Jesus. Even as we came here on Good Friday, you see that the Bible said that all things was complete. Jesus, that scripture may be for Jesus said, it is finished. That they divided his garment among themselves was so that scripture would be fulfilled. But then it came to me very strongly that the issue of resurrection as the content of and the heart of the message of the Christian is about the scriptures. It's about understanding the scriptures. Because verses 3 and 4 said that scriptures may be fulfilled. And you know as I looked at that, a story quickly jumped to mind. And I felt we should look at it. Because there's a prayer we must draw from there this morning. As we begin to focus on what the Lord is bringing to us this morning. In Luke 24, as Luke gave account of the resurrection of Jesus... Let's look at Luke 24 from verse 13. Our interest, if you take note, is 13 to 15 to 35, sorry. 13 to 35. But let's look at from verse 17. Luke 24 
and verse 17. Luke 24, verse 17. Mm-hmm. We sleep in this. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, found it just as the women had said. But him did not see. Verse 25. He said to them, Yes. How foolish are you? Listen to that now. Look at what Jesus began to address about them. How foolish are you? Yes. And how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not, Jesus, did not the Christ have to suffer the things and then enter the glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Thank you very much. Now you notice that in the, from verse 25, when Jesus began to address them, the first point of folly he noted was that they didn't appreciate that resurrection was actually everything scripture have been writing, have been saying was about it. He came to them and said to them, Oh, you people are foolish. How foolish are you? The prophets, and he mentioned that he said, all these scriptures, and you notice that in First Corinthians, he said that scriptures may be fulfilled. What does that mean to us? How does that concern us? Why is it an issue for us to consider this morning? It's actually very weighty in my heart to say that God is careful to watch his word come to pass. God, God is a promise keeper. God's word is his bond. It holds him. God works by his word. And why does it bother us? The reason is because before resurrection it was difficult for them to appreciate it. But because God has said it and it must come to pass, it came to pass. And this morning, I sense God saying to us that concerning the next and the second resurrection morning, many are still finding it difficult, but God has said it. He will watch it to bring it to pass. Because God was careful to fulfill this scripture. Permit me to quickly announce to us again, because I believe we will have heard it before, that what God has said concerning the end time, concerning the resurrection that is coming, it will surely come. It will surely come. Men may write, men may say whatever they want to say. There is coming another resurrection. There is coming a resurrection. It doesn't matter who believes. Look at where we read in Luke now. These people were disciples. Disciples. And Jesus called them foolish. Even they did not believe it. And Jesus said to them, all that Jesus began to say to them was reminding them what the scripture said. And he said, all this scripture were pointing to this direction. What is it that God was pointing to? But quickly, let's pick the prayer points there. That for me, I want us to pick and then we will go back to our text and draw some lessons as we begin to pray. Let's run to verse 32 of this Luke 
And notice what happened to these disciples. Verse 32 says, they asked each other. Oh, let me take it from verse 30. Because if you read earlier, for want of time, we will maybe dwell on verse 32. But earlier, Jesus, the Bible said Jesus did as if he was continuing on the journey. He pretended as if he's not following them again. And they begged him, ah, it's already getting late. After Jesus has told them that all of these things you are surprised about, all of these things you maybe look at, I am a, am I the only visitor in this land? Am I the only one that does not know today is Easter? He pretended as if he was not joining with them. And the Bible said there that they begged him to join them. Verse 32, as they sat on the table to eat, something happened. He broke bread and he disappeared. Verse 32 says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Then did you notice something there? It was scriptures that were opened to them and something happened to their hearts. What I am seeing as a prayer point is look at what happened to them. Remember, these were people who begged Jesus. When Jesus pretended as if he was continuing, they begged him. It's getting late. It's dangerous. This night journey, I don't like it. Don't travel in the night. What did the next verse say? Look at your next verse. What did you say? Eh? That same moment, they stood up. The same people that were doubting scriptures. Something happened to them. This morning, that's my prayer. That you will arise from here. Not with a burning sensation. But you know, I am trusting the Lord that as scriptures is open, we will arise from here. And our arising will be with a resolution. I am present to meet something. Our arising will be with a resolution to stand for something. Our arising will be with a conclusion in our hearts that that which we were beginning to contemplate, whether it was true or not, we have now become the champion of it. That was what happened to these disciples after scriptures was opened. May the Lord open scriptures to us. That something will happen to our hearts. You know, they were warning Jesus not to travel, but that same night they took their journey back and to tell the disciples that this thing is true. Scriptures is true. Can we arise from here as men that we prove that the word of God is true? Resurrection was a proof that God cannot break his word. God is con- has made up his mind that whatever he said, he must bring it to pass. He is faithful to do it. So for me, the first thing to note about resurrection was a fulfillment of scriptures. The scriptures may be fulfilled. Now let's go back to our text very quickly. As we dwell a little on it, I will begin to pray. For want of time, if an issue arose and Paul's attention was drawn. And what was the issue? Some people did not believe there's resurrection. And so our text started by saying, but if, but if it is preached that Christ has not been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If it be preached that Christ has been raised, so the first issue was that there was a problem among the people. They didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe there is resurrection. 
And so Paul, in addressing it, began to raise some issues that we will consider as we conclude to pray. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been risen. What Paul is saying there is that if you still doubt the word of God, if you don't believe the word of God, then it means that you also don't believe Jesus has risen. If resurrection is about fulfillment of scriptures and you don't believe in resurrection, then even Jesus was not raised. That was the issue Paul was trying to address. But in addressing it very quickly, Paul began to point them to something. He said, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And that is where our topic is drawn from. If Christ was not raised, we have no message. Our message does not have a heart. In as much as in the context of our message is the death, the burial, even the life of Jesus and the resurrection, the, the usefulness of our message is in the fact that what? He rose. How does that amount to us? What does it mean? Paul went further to say something. More than that, we have found we are found to be false. Witnesses about God. We have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead but did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. If the issue of resurrection is still contended about you, then we are lying about God. That was what Paul was telling them. But as Paul went further, there was something to say. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sin. And that's what I want us to begin to look at now. What was Paul trying to say there? Having raised the issue, in answering the question, he began to explain the implication of the question that was troubling their mind. That if you say there is no resurrection, then what you have been preaching is empty. If you say there is no resurrection, it means Jesus did not come again. He didn't arise from the dead. But much more than that, look at the implication of this. And for me, in answering that question, Paul brought out how it is that resurrection is the heart of what we preach. How did he say it? He said in verse 17, and I said, let's note verse 17. Let's look at verse 17 again. That if Christ has not been raised, your faith, first your faith is what? Is without life. Is empty. Why did he say so? Because it is assumed that those who have put their faith in him have a hope of eternity. And so if there will be no resurrection, then what you are hoping for is empty. If there is no resurrection, then those who have slept, you know he went further to say it, it means those who have slept in the Lord with this faith, there is no hope for them again. But you know, I thought that is where we should dwell on. But Paul didn't stop there. He didn't dwell there. He brought in something very interesting we must take note of. Which is, you are still in your sins. Oh, did you notice that? That's how he ended verse 17. What was he trying to say there? I 
notice there that Paul was trying to say that resurrection is the reason why we are alive in God, though we were formerly dead. Now quickly look at Ephesians 2 verse 1. Ephesians 2 verse 1, Romans 6 verse 1 to 5. Both of these were pointing to what Paul was saying there. Ephesians 2 verse 1. Let's take the first five verses maybe. So that we'll not take it to ten. If you read it, I will have loved that we read it to ten, but let's leave it at verse five. Is anybody there? Who are you quickened? You, you quickened? Yes. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Yes. Where in in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, of the, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. We are quickened together. It is at the resurrection that we receive a quickening. It is at resurrection that when we believe and access it, we receive a quickening because by nature we were dead because of sin. So if there is no resurrection, our hope of dying to sin is also empty. And I quickly noted there that there is first a resurrection before the resurrection. There is first a resurrection from being dead to sin and becoming alive in God, as Romans will put it. Should we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid if you read further. We who were dead to sin, through the resurrection of Christ, we have been made alive. We have been given life. And Galatians will say, No longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. The life I now live, I live by faith. What does this what does, does that mean? We caught a hope of a new life by his resurrection. We got the victory over the nature of sin by his resurrection. By his death, he died for our sin. By his living, he set us an example. By his resurrection, we received the victory into the newness of life. That we may be able to live and have this life. Oh, John 3, 16. That whoever believeth in him shall not perish. But what? Have a kind of life that death cannot hold captive. It is as we receive eternal life, victory over sin, that we get a ticket for the next resurrection. The issue Paul was trying to address was the ultimate resurrection. But to qualify, to be a participant of that, is that you have first received and enjoyed a resurrection from self. If you read to verse 10 of that Ephesians, you will now understand why he said we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. 
But then, let's quickly read Colossians, two more scriptures, and we'll begin to pray. Paul went further to explain that. Should our hope be here on earth alone, then verse 18 of our text says, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Verse 19 says, If only in this life we have hope in Christ. If our hope is only to have resurrection and victory over the flesh, over sin, if that is where our hope ends, what did verse 19 say? We are miserable. But let's read Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. At the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. I noted that Paul began to tell them that there is coming another resurrection. That resurrection truly exists is the hope we have that when he comes. Let me read it very quickly. Let me not just say it. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you are dead and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4. Note verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, what will happen? What will happen? Then you also will appear with him. That is the coming resurrection. We have a hope. And our hope is not ending here on earth. We who have experienced this resurrection, on that morning, when Christ will appear, we will do what? We also will appear with him in glory. Then as we begin to pray, I sense God is saying, the message that gave you a stand as a Christian, was this the constraints? Was this what it was composed of? Are you standing because you realize that Christ died for your sin? Fine. He was buried and then he rose in victory to give you a victory over sin. Is that what gave you a stand to follow Christ? Because that is the heart of our preaching. The heart of our message is Jesus. So we'll end with that as we begin to pray. John 11 verse 25 to 26 as we begin to pray. John 11, 25 and 26. I hear God coming this morning. John 11, 25 and 26. And I will begin to pray. Can somebody read it for us? John 11. Yes. 11, 25 to 26. Jesus said unto her. Jesus said unto her, yes. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall be. Shall be. Shall he live? And so, that's okay. Do you notice what Jesus said there? Jesus spoke to her after Lazarus had died. Jesus said to her, Oh, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, what did the Bible say in verse 26? That what? Though he dies, he will do what? Now this morning I heard God saying, Jesus is saying to you that the heart of the Christian message is himself. But this one is saying, though you seem to be in death, if you will believe in him, what did he say? You will live again. 
as you will believe in him, he will give you life. He is the resurrection and the life. It's only you will believe in him. It's only you will establish a faith in him. If only then you make up your mind to say, Lord, I believe. Give me life. If you will say, in Christ alone, my hope is found. You know that hymn was ringing in my heart as we, as we begin to conclude. The first stanza says, Day in the ground, his body lay. The light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he arose. Hallelujah. As, and as he stands in victory, what happens? Sin's cause has lost his grip over me. Hallelujah. For I am his and he is mine. But by the precious blood of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet as we begin to pray. This morning, we used to tell ourselves as undergraduates that I hope you didn't faint at the cross. And so, when you faint, you are resuscitated. You are not resurrected. You don't have a resurrected life. You have a resuscitated life. You are still living that life this morning. Are you carrying a resuscitated or a resurrected life? the cross you will die. It is resurrection that gives you life. Not a resuscitation. This morning, that is the question I says God is bringing to us. Was it that when you met Christ, you cried and you were resuscitated and you went back to your life or you took a stand because a new life came. This morning, he said, if you believe, I will give you life. Can you bow our head as we talk to the Father this morning? Call on him that he may give you life. Believe! He said, it's the resurrection and the life. Though you may be dead, if you believe, you will have life. He will give you a new life. Can you speak to him? In Christ alone, I believe. Lord, I believe. For resurrection, I believe. I believe. Are you here? You already have believed. I noticed something. The Christian message, which is having a heart in resurrection, is something that those who have believed carry it about. Are you carrying it about? Is it burning in you to spread? This morning, speak to the Father. Speak to Him. I don't know what area God is pointing you to, but He will desire that you arise with a resolve this morning. He will desire that you will make up your mind this morning about something. Can you speak to Him? There in the grave, his body lay. Busting forth in victory, sin's grip has lost his grip over you. Are we here this morning? We believe and we're trusting that by the power of resurrection, by the victory of resurrection, the power that brought Jesus back to life, you're trusting that the grip of sin should be lost over your life. Speak to him. If that is your prayer, let's pray together. If that's your prayer, let's just join me as we pray together. Speak to him and say, I want the grip of sin to be lost over my life. It is in victory that he bought for as he arose. The victory of sin over lives are broken. We get the victory. It is in resurrection we have victory over sin. This morning, somebody asking that sin 
will lose a grip over his life. If you are making that prayer, just go ahead and say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You died on the cross for me. And you have risen again on my behalf. Jesus, come into my heart today with that power of resurrection. I die unto sin with you and rise unto God with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you make me yours. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for as many as by their own free choice have made this confession to the Lord. I ask in the name of Jesus that the assurance that comes from the Spirit within their spirit that now they are the children of God will rest upon them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you do much more than we ask or think in the name of Jesus. And for the rest of us, merciful Father, we ask that your hand will be upon us, that we will go forth until we see your face, not content with John just to see, not content with Peter just to enter, but like Mary to behold the face of Jesus and be transformed as Clopas and his companion, until our lives burst forth in flame, testifying of Jesus in all things and at all times. Thank you, Father, for him whom you have brought this word through. Fill him again, make him to be fresh always, and cause your glory to be upon us. In Jesus' name we pray.